Hey, Rockheads, if you couldn't make it to London this year for NSBCon, the very first conference all about in-service bus, we got some good news. NSBCon's coming to New York City September 29th and 30th. Two full days of sessions on distributed systems development from top speakers like Udi Dahan, Oranini, Ted Neward, and .NET Rocks is going to be there too. Not only that, but we're extending the deadline. Register before August 31st and get two days of video from Udi Dahan's course free. These videos will teach you about messaging patterns, where and when to use buses and brokers, and the right way to go about service-oriented architecture. These videos usually cost over $1,000, but we oh-so-gently twisted Udi's arm so you, our loyal listeners, can get access to the very best, but only if you register before August 31st. So join Richard and me in NSBCon and take your development skills to a whole new level. Go to nsbconnyc.com and register today. .NET Rocks, Episode 1036, with guest Warren Bell. Recorded Monday, September 8th, 2014. And welcome to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard. We're here for another hour. Ward Bell is here. I can't wait. Just so happy to be here. Just so happy I to be here. I'm so happy. And that was him. We'll talk to him in just a minute. <laughs> He's a happy guy. Back, back. Uh, before we talk to him, though, we got a little business to do, starting with Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, buddy, what do you got? Remember me talking about the HTML5 file system API? Vaguely. Yeah, where you can actually read and write files from your local hard drive, um, mostly reading. But in certain circumstances, you can write as well. Anyway, the HTML5 file system API spec is officially dead as of April 2014. Ah. Go to tinyurl.com slash HTML5 FS API dead. And uh, just never got the traction from the other browsers that uh, needed. You can write all the specs you want, but unless anybody implements it in the browser, it doesn't really matter, right? It was very cool, though, because um, you could do, like, file uploading and all that kind of stuff right. very easily with it. And uh, I even wrote a file uploader with it, and that's JavaScript HTML5 based and asynchronous. So, you know, chunks of files and then uh, progress and all that stuff. Interesting. So who did it? Somebody must have implemented it on something, right? Yeah. So um, it it has certain implementations out there, and I don't know what the alternative is really, because uh, we do need a way to to do that in right. the browser, especially on mobile devices and things like that. And it does work on mobile devices. It works works on my Android. It works on my Windows phone. I believe it works on the iPhone too. I don't know. Something's got to happen there. We need a way to do this, people. Yeah. So that spec is apparently dead. But in, in the context of this whole conversation about disconnected web clients, that API is not going to save us. No, and hopefully something else will. Maybe Ward's got some ideas about that. But we'll talk to him in a few minutes. Who's talking to us? So this is actually an email that stimulated this show. This is from Daniel Primus, who sent me this email a couple months ago. And he said, hey, guys, thanks for the fusion geek outs. Yeah. Uh, it's really fun stuff, especially after Richard does all the hard work of researching the topics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and the good news is the last Fusion Geek Out, the cold Fusion Geek Out, is like tomorrow. That's right. If you're right. listening on the day this show gets published. Yep. So we're going to put that one to bed, and then we got some other cool ones coming up. Indeed. Uh, Dan goes on to say, I was thinking it's time for a show on browser-based disconnected clients. I see this as becoming a real deal in line of business applications. And I'm stealing from Richard's we take the computer to the work concept. The environment and tooling are not very mature, but for a modernized project, I personally would green light the approach. And of course, as soon as you're going to move the computer around towards the work, then the issue is, are you still connected? And can you deal with connection unreliability? Indeed. And I'm thinking it's time to get Ward Bell back for this because Breeze has come a long way since his last show. And I also think you guys and Ward would provide an overview of the space. And he's talking about Index, DB, JData, SQLite, SQL Express, App Cache, and others. Mm-hmm. And my current development stack is SQL Server, Entity Framework 6, Web API 2, Breeze, Kendo, MVVM, and UI Grids. That's a nice stack. So he's, yeah, working on the same tool set. So, Daniel, you bet. We got Ward on the line, and let's see if we can figure this thing out. 
Thanks so much for your email. .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, you can write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Android, iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. You can also send us an email. .NET Rocks at Franklin's.net does work. We do yes, read everything. And once in a while, we're able to talk about it on the show as well. Once in a while. Once in a while. All right, let's introduce Ward officially. I asked him for his current bio, and he gave me a bullet list. Nice. VP of Technology at IdeaBlade, a consulting and product company and makers of Breeze, a Microsoft MVP, a distributed client app aficionado, and a snappy dresser. Just so much that his outfits have their own Twitter handle. Nice. At Ward Bell's outfit. We welcome Ward Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! <laughs> you know, I know. I have no idea who's behind that handle. But oh, that's not really you? it's not you. <laughs> no, it is not me. I don't know who that is. But suddenly, somebody fires it up. Somebody owns it, and they start making snarky comments as if it came from my clothing, and I love it. <laughs> I like this one from January. Still drunk from Code Mash. Like your out, <laughs> your outfit was drinking too much. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's pretty good. I love it. Oh, wow. You know, some of these tweets are not safe for work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. See what happens? Hmm. Okay. And now you're getting education. Yep, yep, yep. Well, Ward, uh, we're talking about disconnected clients from that comment. Um, I guess that's where we should start uh, with with a comment. Uh, Well, we could start there, but I'm not, you know, that's kind of like jumping into the middle. Uh, What about the Uh, file API? (laughs) <laughs> that's really uh i i just don't know what to say about that i i i thought that was going to make it now do you think that it's dying because it's not good enough or not robust enough or people don't understand it or nobody cares about that i mean but having a way to to upload file data is probably pretty important for an offline app. it could be politics i don't there's this fascinating on on a different podcast there's a fascinating uh interview with brandon ike uh who invented javascript uh which is really all about uh you know long stretches of it are about the long politics of javascript and the different browser vendors Mm. and the way in which things almost made it and then got torpedoed and the backstabbing and it's just a hilarious read Mm. so uh you know uh for all we know I, i we'll have to wait for the inside story but meanwhile, we're all out sitting out here. You know, they did the same thing to WebSQL, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that was uh, that looked like uh, it was going to be in there, and then people decided not to support it, and now it's deprecated. And and uh, good luck to you if you thought you were going to go offline with that strategy. So, do you use the file API in any of your stuff? Uh, no, we don't. Um, uh, which I guess under these circumstances is a good thing, right? Well, it is. I guess, you know, you you really only need it if your data needs to be stored in a file. But, you know, typically, I guess you can use cookies for that or you can use uh, other techniques. L- local browser storage. Yeah, is, local browser storage. Most of our examples are, are from that. Um, uh, when we get into it, you know, you'll see that Breeze at this stage is pretty agnostic about what you, where you're storing whatever it is that you, you want to hold. Um, when you're between sessions and, you know, that could be viewed as a good thing. Uh, um, or you could say, wow, I wish you did something about that. And, you know, we've been trying to keep our eye on it to see what people want us to do. And, and, um, it's not, not entirely clear. Um, but we'll get to that when we, when we sort of dig into what it means to take an app offline. And I'm as curious to know what you guys think are, um, the things that matter when you do that. Um, but I'll, I'll throw a typology out there. Not putting up exception handler alert messages. How about Did that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there with the dumb stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know I don't have a connection. Shut up. Shut up already. Uh, yeah, I for, you know, that wasn't in my list of things, but of course, one of the key ingredients would be, um, uh, did you detect that the, uh, you don't have a connection mm. and then do you automatically retry? Uh, you know, I completely forgot about that. Um, in part because <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so obvious, many, it's, it's too damn obvious. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, to, you know, don't downplay the detect part either. 
you know, maybe you still have a Wi-Fi connection, but it's not actually routable. That's maybe true. you can't resolve DNS addresses. So if you have the DNS for a URL cached, it keeps working, but you try and request a new one and it doesn't work. Like connected and not connected are just so gray. Yeah. 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 And and from an application perspective, the question is, can I get my work done? That's, mm-hmm. you know, what it boils down to. And, and, and any, there can be a breakdown anywhere along there. And I don't think the application cares. If I can't reach the database, then, you know, it doesn't matter that I made it to the server. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you, you know, it's up to whatever you've got uh, operating on the, on the client side to detect that. And then, you, so now you've realized, oops, I don't have the connection. Um, now you have to decide uh, how your application is going to um, degrade gracefully. Right. It's going to allow the user to do and not do. And that's a business decision, partly informed by what's possible. Uh, I mean, if, you got, if you're booking theater seats or trying to tell somebody what the weather is, you're out of luck, you know. Right. So it can be even more exacerbated if you have, uh, you know, some sort of uh, loop, you know, that's uh, not demanding, but expecting that you're going to be connected all the way through the loop. And, you know, let's say you have several service calls to make and one depends upon the other. And, you know, you any time in that process that you break it, you know, we're back to the old what do we do when we're halfway through something and and then uh, it goes away? It sort of almost needs a transactional uh, a transaction around it that can be rolled back. But we don't even think about those things. It, you know, the, we what we think about is, oh well, if you're you know you don't have connectivity and the app doesn't work, just come back later and do it again. But yeah, and I, actually, this this is one area in which. Um, uh, this sort of intermittent connection problem that, mm. that if I may say, Breeze is it has a, a pretty good, um, pretty good support for. It's not now. It's not going to detect that you're um, not reaching uh, the server. So you're going to be sitting there. You know, you you have to be ready for anything to fail. But that's generally true when you talk to the server anyway, right? Yeah. And then you have to then you have to decide what you're going to do and and how you're going to now restrict the uh, users access to the services, what, what you're going to offer in the way of capabilities while they're down. you got to let them know so that they might do something um, to fix it, which could just simply be moving around in the room, right? I mean, you know, sometimes it's Wi-Fi, sometimes it's more serious. And we'll leave aside for a second whether it should continue to keep sort of saying, hey, I wonder if it's back, I wonder if it's back, because you would probably have to... I'm afraid that these are things you have to work out for yourself. Right. Uh, when you write your app, there is no place you can go, nobody off the shelf I, that I know of that can make these kinds of decisions for you. But there are patterns to, you know, before you do a, a, a call to make a check. And, um, you know, the, the big problem is that it's completely dependent upon what you're doing. And like I say, sometimes you're in a loop and that makes it more complex to get out of. And sometimes you just are waiting for something to, to happen and come back, uh, or, or maybe you're not. You know, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the asynchronous stuff that we're doing in jQuery and even in JavaScript and Ajax, um, sort of just assumes that I'm going to send this off. And then when I get the data back, this jQuery event's going to fire or whatever. And then I'm just going to populate with data. And you can't really assume that that's going to happen. Oh, you absolutely can't. You absolutely can't. Uh, um, but so that so so you've got to have a what am I going to do? And I think the reason that you see a lot of assumptions like that is that that um, most applications that don't have any kind of um, data management layer on their client side don't have many options. I mean, they might as well just you know throw in the towel because they can't operate at all yeah. unless they are continuously connected. They just don't operate. Right. So whatever the user's working on, it's like, "Hey, sorry buddy, I'm sorry. I got no place to put what you did because right. I got no idea what you did. I don't know what it is." Uh, you know, it might as well be a blue screen. Right. And if your process requires that you have several steps and that they finish and complete, you have to be prepared to roll that back on the server you know, or pick up where you left off, which is usually more difficult, you know. Right. Well, that's assuming, of course, that you bothered to send, you know, one of these sort of the assumptions in there because of the way people write code is that they're kind of continuously trying to save stuff to the server because they're terrified that they're going to lose it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you have this very chatty interface and the whole architecture is designed to just, you know, save as frequently as you can and then you end up with these half-complete wizards, uh, that isn't how uh, I would tend to design my own applications. 
because, uh, you know, I, I would want the wizard steps to all complete and I'd have a nice consistent something or other that I wanted to save um, before I attempted to save it. Does that yeah, make sense? Sure. You know, I mean, in other words, if I have to fill out these three, go through these three steps to have anything meaningful on the server, why am I sending uh, an unvalid step one up there uh, or even portion of step one up there? Why am I doing that? Why don't I just keep it to myself on the client until I know that I have something good and then I send it? And and your answer would be, well, A, I don't know how to do that um, uh, uh, because my back end, my server doesn't support it, but B, I got no place to put it if it collapses Mm -hmm. and save anybody. And, and you're just making the case for why you might be interested in a data management framework instead of trying to code all this stuff yourself, roll it all yourself in in jQuery or whatever. So this is what Breeze does then? Well, Breeze can certainly handles this set of the problems. It doesn't handle the detection set. Right. But uh, I, it's perfectly easy because of the caching and the, uh, all that goes with it, the, the change uh, tracking and so forth. I can keep um, a, you know, a wizard going and, and have an ed, what I might think of as an edit session or a wizard session where mm-hmm. I'm accumulating changes. And I'm comfortable with that because if I can't save it, if something goes wrong, uh, I've still got it. And I still got it in the change state that I, the user, was expecting. Right. Right. It's all there, all right? And so I just can't reach the server. Okay, that's not good. Maybe I better tell the application so that they don't have some misunderstanding about whether this thing was actually stored. But meanwhile, I've got it, and I can do something with it. You can disable everything. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I can say, I can I can tell them to move to another room. I can yeah. say, hey, you can keep you can here's some things that you can keep doing. Right. Uh, and again, if I have confidence that I can take an edit session or a wizard session and hold on to it and maybe store it locally, so that if this everything goes down, you know, somebody clicks the X there in the browser and it all goes down, and they go, no, I've lost it. Right. You know, if I design so that I can um, uh, continually. Um, keep this stuff locally, which, by the way, isn't that what you expect in a Word doc, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're typing away in a Word doc, and if it goes down and it lost your changes, how do you feel? Whose fault do you think that is? Right. <laughs> you think it's the program's fault. <laughs> I was typing. I mean, all right, you missed the last five keystrokes. That's okay. But losing everything I did for the last half hour because I didn't click the save button, nobody likes that. Yeah. So you can't design for that anymore. And fortunately, it's not that hard with a thing like Breeze to to hold these sessions. And then, okay, so it goes down and you say, hey, you know, user, sorry about that. Um, uh, I can hold on to this for you or I'm actually already holding on to it for you locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can get back to it when you get the connection back. You might want to move to another room and, and revive it. Oh, you mean you need to keep working? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, let's just hold this session. Wherever you are, you can keep working on it. We'll just hold on to it locally. Oh, you need to change from, say, let's suppose you were a building inspector or something like that, and you're going from building to building. Uh, you're done with that building. You still don't have a connection. Well, you know, you got to get on and inspect the next building. Oh, that's cool. Fire up another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that becomes another session, which can be saved um, locally. Uh, and, you know, you can't you let the user know that it's, it's provisional, mm-hmm. but you got it. And, and they, these things are, are not that hard to code, actually, mm-hmm. um, as long as you have um, something underneath to, uh, to, to under, that understands that you have entities and change state and stuff like that. Right. Hey, this is a great time to tell you about Coder Camps. Coder Camps are changing the way people learn .NET and JavaScript. If you've been learning .NET on your own, these guys can get you the skills you need to get hired in just nine weeks. They've been around for about a year, and the results are amazing. Everyone who's graduated has been hired within 90 days, and now they've made it even better by letting students attend camp online. Check them out at CoderCamps.com. You know, when I was building disconnected clients as smart clients, not as browser clients, we used queuing on the client side. So, you know, you'd finish an order, and and it'd push to a queue no matter what. And the process of sending that queue message to the server was completely agnostic to the app itself. The app didn't know it got its message to its queue and it was done. Hmm. 
Yep, uh, and, and you can do that. And there's 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 stuff that you can um, get for your JavaScript app that will do that. I'm I, off the top of my head. I'm thinking you could probably do something like that with a thing like Firebase or something like that. The problem there is that you don't have the notion of a, tra- a business transaction boundary. Right. All right. Uh, so I am deeply suspicious of um, these sweeping automated solutions to problems, which are just quickly more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. What is the boundary of a of a, a building inspection? Is it um, is it building A, and then you go and inspect building B? Now the time comes to resync, and there's some problem with A. Do I throw away my inspection for B? How do I even know where those boundaries are? Mm. You know, it's not like a database log that you think you can simply replay. There's, there's a reason why, actually, sync frameworks have always struggled. Haven't you found that to be true? Uh, you know, these yeah. sweep, sweeping automated, oh, just here, just set it in motion and all as well. Uh, never quite worked for me. <laughs> well, and it, I think part of this is also to do with the, the pattern. Like, I'm thinking I could use client caching in Breeze to store that transactional piece for that given work item indefinitely and be able to start another one that's also cached as I work on the next building and we sync when we sync it just sounds to me like a development pattern more than anything that that a given work item is not it, it, it's not like you can only have one work item going ever and John Poppin is a Pluralsight course on um Angular and Breeze has just such an example, his Code Camper example, where he's working on one time they're editing. Um, that's a that's a, a an app, a sample app that pretends you're at a Code Camp, and you can be editing a course or a session, you know, mm-hmm. and then you could be editing something about a speaker, and each of those is separate in his own kind of editing transaction, and he manages those and presents them to you, and you can you can restore them. Um, when you're ready, or you can shut the app down, bring it back up again, see it at work. It works. So, Ward, why wouldn't we just use the uh, HTML web storage instead? Why do we need the the extra stuff? I mean, what is what is your what does Breeze do that um, that you can't just you put data in a, in a local web storage and pull it back and it's secure? Well, you you can, uh, uh, but you have to know what it is that you're storing there and how you're going to represent it as um, data that's uh, been changed mm-hmm. and what the previous values were and how it relates to um, fresh information that you're going to get from the server when it comes back. In I other words, you need, you need the whole, you, you need to have a good representation. More than just storage, you have to have all that stuff that goes with it. Right, and then you ha- and then when you re- you know when you sort of add water and rehydrate, all right, it has to come back as an entity where where you say, oh well, I can see that these things were changed yeah. and they're waiting, and and it, by the way, it has these relationships to other en- other entities which I want the, it to sort of, you know, like because because pro- you know order line items have products and sure. I have a product catalog, I gotta snap those back together again. Who's going to do that for me? Right. All right. So yeah. we're, it's not like I got a set of to do's. All right. Which is what, <laughs> you know, every time you see a to do app as a representation of a solution to an offline strategy, <laughs> it's time to, you know, put your thinking cap on and say, is that what my <laughs> app looks like? Yeah. But I like this idea of you're composing a transaction essentially. So you should be cash storing it in a way that mid transaction, if something went wrong, you could recover. There's something going wrong being your connection fails. Exactly. And to get that in Breeze is a one-liner. So give it to me. And uh, now you've got it in a serializable form. You can put right. it wherever you want. Mm. Um, which, for by the way, one of the wherever you wants might be in the cloud if you've sure. still got a connection, right? So then you can go device to device and bring it back. There's nothing that says it has to just be local or you have to make one choice. Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah, and it's thinking beyond just this, let's survive, and into how do I take advantage of shared caching? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another important scenario. You're sitting along, you're building this stuff up. The user doesn't know something, right, that you need to know. it, And you've got business logic on the server that says, I'm sorry, but you don't pass validation. I'm not letting this thing in. Right. Yeah, well, now what do you do with it? Where are you going to put it? All right. (laughs) A partial transaction, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's in, it's incomplete. It won't pass validation, and the server's not going to let you hold on to it. Well, what if I could say, "Hey, that's just you know another session that didn't quite finish." I think I'll chuck that up into the uh, 
yeah, you know, into the cloud to hold on to it and keep it on my local device so mm -hmm. that I have ready access to it. And now I can let the user go look up whatever the missing piece of information is, resolve the conflict, which is a business conflict, not a data conflict. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And get and then come back and get it done until and meanwhile, it's in a safe place. You didn't have to have this wacky server uh, endpoint that holds temporary invalid data. You don't have to do that. Yeah, and just I, I like this idea of just making a consistent pattern so that this is the way you do things all the time. Exactly. And people think, expect stuff to just be retained. Yes. The work will keep on going. Um, I mean, we're talking, playing with a few different scenarios here. I think the whole bring your computer to the work idea of, you know, walking around a yard with a laptop or with a tablet, and in certain corners of the yard, the connection's just unreliable. Yeah. It really works that way. It works that way when people are out, like the building inspector thing is not, uh, you know, that, th there are various kinds of things that are just like that. You know, you're going out into the back 40 or something like that. You don't have Wi-Fi connection out right. there. Warehouses, you know, it, it happens all the time. The, but then there's another side of this, which is it's one thing for us to be creating data and need it cached for the upload. It's another thing to know, oh, I'm headed to the way the signal is weak. I need to preload. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. I want a bunch of stuff loaded so that when I'm back there, you know, maybe I'm doing it and I'm doing the building inspection. I and mean, this is a building that's not finished built yet. It won't have signal once we're inside. I better have all that data already in the device by the time I go inside. Right. So that becomes part of the workflow of the app. You're, you know, you know the, 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 the inspector sits down and says, what are the tasks? I'm in the van. Right. right. What am I? And there he's got cell phone and all that other connection. Right. So he says, what are my tasks? Well, it downloads it. Well, if you know this is the design pattern you need, you know that you're not only going to cache um, change data, but you're also going to independently cache some some relatively static data, like his workload, where he's going and what, what he's going to do or she's going to do. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, you're going to also be thinking ultimately about some really static data that, you know, relatively, and we're talking about temporally, right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like building codes or something like that, right. um, that you might also want to hold locally, um, if they're appropriate. And, and now you can get it. Now you're at this boundary where you have to say, Hmm, I wonder, I think I've blown the local uh, browser uh, uh, store. Uh, I have to have other storage solutions locally, but but those are available too. Yeah. Okay. So this is easy. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everything everything's easy when you have all the answers. Uh, no, no. But it, you know, but we recognize the problem, and there are certain aspects of it that I think um, we we can uh, we can provide some help with. So as you go out there and you search around and say, what's available for offline, I think that you'll find that much of what you see is really focused on how to communicate with um, offline data storage. You know, is it going to be IndexedDB? Is it going to be this or that? And, you know, and I think that's important. And I think we could do a better job ourselves of making that part easy because we don't we don't take a position on it at all. But I, I don't think that's the hard part. I don't think where you stash it locally is the terribly hard part of the problem. Right. But where do you stash it locally? Um, we don't. Breeze doesn't. What we offer uh, is some recipes for how you could stash it. Mm -hmm. So we have some people who actually, you know, they have written, I would call them adapters to store things in IndexedDB. Um, or most of our examples show um, stuffing stuff in local storage, mm -hmm. which works for, um, you know, you got five megabytes uh, limit there, and, and that's no place to keep a product catalog, but, <laughs> but it can easily handle this kind of change data stuff that we're talking about, you know, in a uh, much of the building inspector. It's all about stuffing stuff. Stuffing stuff. <laughs> hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to don a shark skin suit. Put on my Ray-Bans, grab my favorite feather boa, the pink one. <laughs> Glad you have a favorite. Oh, man, this is my outfit. What? That's it. Why, why are you judging me? I don't have a joke. <laughs> I'm just telling you what time it is, man. What? What? <sighs> oh, man, I can... You only have a favorite if you have more than one. <laughs> and isn't one enough. <laughs> Oh, it's actually time to give away Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who won today, join the Telerik Kendo UI Q2 2014 release webinar, Enterprise UI for Every Device. 
This free webinar will showcase all the new goodies in the latest release, including data management and visualization additions like Gantt charts, pivot grids, and tree maps, mobile widgets support for AngularJS, and lots more. Register now at Telerik.com slash kendo-ui slash release webinar. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Wayne Hillier from Kelseyville, California. Congratulations, Wayne. Golf clap for you, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. And Wayne just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. That's a whole bunch of awesome in one box. And hey, if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we give away great sponsor stuff. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member picked at random. But you have to join the fan club to win. Award. Sir, what would you do with five grand today? Oh, well, I've been thinking about that. And um, the first thing I'd do if I had a choice is I'd put down a deposit on a Tesla Model S. Yeah. Uh, It's only 71K. Only. Uh, (laughs) Or uh, if I couldn't do that, I might buy a brand new uh, Trek carbon fiber bicycle. You know, Mm. those weigh in at about five grand. I could. I could look really good on one of those. Yeah, you can see I'm not uh, not the <laughs> I'm not thinking of any computer products. Oh, that's all right. Hey, how about the hoverboards? I could get hoverboards for all of my friends. Have you seen those things yet? Hoverboard. It's they pump the back end of a jet ski into a pipe and then they put it in this thing that looks like a skateboard and people are, you know, I'll have to send you the I have to send you the link. There's a YouTube on it. I'm looking and at it. They're just flying all over the place. And I think it would be really cool to be able to do that. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was the video playing. <laughs> Let's watch the video, shall we? <laughs> oh, if you guys can see this. That's pretty crazy. All right, I've seen enough. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. I don't want to get that for everybody and then get everybody out there into the bay and we just go crazy playing like throwing a football back and forth. On that top sounds of like stuff. a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, uh, we have a, a message from the Twitters from Ola Carlson who asks, uh, any recommendations for strategy regarding dealing with cross-browser and older browser issues. A bit boring, I know, but been there and had that exact problem, but it was a while ago. Maybe it's better now. Oh, how old? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it can get really, it can get really bad. And I, I know we've kind of, and a lot of people have, have kind of drawn the line at, at IE8 for some of our stuff. Some of our right. stuff, we just say, you know what? Because um, the web storage isn't even supported in IE7, no, right? No, no, you're you're toast. Um, and and there's a lot of stuff I really want. Uh, what's known as an ECMAScript five browser, you know, a modern browser, right? Uh, and um, I, you know, you know, like Angular has decided they're going to stop even testing against uh, IE8. That's so great that they did that because if if you know they come out and say they're drawing the line, well, okay. Now it frees up everybody else to not be the bad guy, right? It does. It provides some cover. Uh, unfortunately, the enterprise guys just uh, rightly say, you know what? Um, that's nice and all, but we need, you know, that's our reality. And mm-hmm. I can't get any, I can't get everybody off of IEA. I can't get everybody off of XP. Can't, you mm-hmm. know, right. I, I don't know what to do for those folks. I don't really know. So I don't know what you guys have. Well, let's start using their iPads at work instead of their PCs. Yeah, it's gorilla. It's gorilla stuff. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. And 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 but what's interesting, I think, is that a lot of this sort of single page application development world that we're seeing, a fair amount of it's greenfield or or trying to give a better experience. Yeah. And, and you know what? We're now asking so much of the JavaScript engines that to ask IE8 to to do the somersaults that we're asking it to do now mm-hmm. uh, is that's unrealistic. So uh, you may just have to say there's a somewhat diminished experience for IE8 and below that's a standard web application and that's our answer <laughs> or a blank page that's a diminished experience yeah that's pretty diminished <laughs> uh but it's a t- it's a tough one out there um uh and but i think time is on our side and um we'll get there well especially when we're talking about these sort of new work models where if it's on a phone there is no IE8 for the phone 
Exactly. You know, at least you're better off there. And, and for the most part, same for tablets, too. You're, you're going to be running more current stuff. Now, I thought, I thought, Richard, that you were running IE 8 on and Windows 3.5 on your tablets now. Is that <laughs> I have a, I, I did, I had an old LE 1600. It was sort of the reference uh, slate by motion computing from a million billion years ago. And it originally came with XP, I think, XP Tablet Edition. Yeah, yeah. I got my K-Pro out the other day. That's working great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. K just passed too. I know, I know. That's yeah. my tip of the hat to him. Yeah, yeah. Just because he could make it work doesn't mean it's a good idea. That was the bomb. Remember the size of that screen? It was probably like a deck of cards, but we yeah. stared into <laughs> it, looking for answers. We called it the luggable. Right. As long as you're willing to stretch your arm a bit, you could carry that thing around, kinda, kinda. <laughs> so, so can I uh, take a moment to sort of talk about where we're going? I wish you would. Yeah. Um, the first thing I need to say is like, you know, idea blade and we make this breeze thing, this breeze product, which is open source and free and you can learn about it. And then we also have something called breeze sharp, which is the same set of ideas. But if you're a C sharp developer trying to do things in Xamarin, uh, it's also open source. Um, if you're trying to do things in Xamarin or WPF, uh, you know, in mobile and things like that, you just want to stay in the C sharp world. It's the same patterns and the same wow. kinds of abstractions. So, and, and you can work again. The cool th one of the cool things I think about Breeze, which is where we learned our lesson, is not to lock into the server. Uh, right. So before you know, and it's, to some sense, if you read our documentation, it looks like all we ever do is Web API, EF, and SQL Server. Not true. Right. We're all you know. We got examples, and part of the thing in the last year and a half is having more and more examples where we're reaching across. Or a spectrum of backend technologies. And, you know, we got Java and we got Ruby and we got PHP going and we got Node, a lot of stuff happening in Node. So we're just broadening the idea of what you can do in the backend. And then on the, so, so, so the idea is that you have these data management problems that we kind of were talking about earlier. And you should be able to do that in JavaScript if you're building a single page app, or you should be able to do it in um, C sharp if you want to do WPF that way, or you want to do any Xamarin and across the native apps. So that's something we're, we're perfecting. Um, we're also working now on something where it's a, it's a node and sort of SQL thing, MySQL, or, or um, what's the other one that every Postgres, thank you. You got that on the back end, and you'd just like to be a client developer for a while, and you know, sort of sketch out your metadata that describes the model as you'd like to see it on the client, and then mm -hmm. boom, it generates the, the back end for you, mm -hmm. working on that. Wow. Uh, but of course, the really important thing is we've got dev intersections coming up. Yeah. And ankle brackets coming up. John Papa's worked closely with you. He's really done a lot to sort of um, to get Breeze into everybody's vocabulary, I think. And uh, you guys have worked together on a lot of things, haven't you? Oh, yeah. You know, it's great to pair with somebody. And, and John and I pair on a lot of things. I, I can't program any other way. And one of the byproducts of that is he's done a lot of Pluralsight courses, Brian Noyce has done them. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, Breeze is kind of matured out there. Yeah. Uh, people are starting to say, yeah, it's been around and we've got over 2,000 questions on Stack Overflow and the community starting to answer them and we're getting newbies in, which I think indicates that the people are beginning to, to say this might be okay. So it's good. It, it's, it's, all, uh, it's all shaping up. The, the other thing that I think I need to, I want to share with people is that, all right, so we got this open source stuff, but mm -hmm. a lot of people out there just don't know how to build an application. They don't want to come, they don't want to have an Angular app. They don't want to have a Breeze app. They want mm -hmm. to have an app that does what right. they were asked to do. How do you learn, how do you do that? How do you learn to do that? How do you know what technology, you know, all this technology soup, how do you make some choices here that won't kill you? And so uh, we offer some services there and helping you figure that out or even building it if that's what you want us to do. Okay. And there's this really cool uh, thing on your website, learn.breezejs.com, where you sort of have the, the steps using Knockout to do data binding and rendering. And in every step of the way, you can run it and uh, it explains things and shows you how easy it is. Very small, simple, digestible examples. Really very cool. Thank you. I, I, we think that's a, a great way to learn about the querying side. A lot of people come to Breeze for the queries. They stay for the data management. <laughs> I, I should mention also that it, there's an Angular flavor of that right in there as well. 
Yeah, yeah. You can drop down the tutorials. You have queries with Knockout, queries with Angular, more advanced queries, local queries, and then, uh, yeah, good stuff. Thanks. It's pretty pretty awesome when you have that kind of support and uh, and you can just get going. We put a lot of effort into documentation and support, uh, which I think you'll find out as soon as we get there. It, uh, it, there's always this tension, like, should we give them, you know, if there's a lot of documentation, does that mean it's complicated mm. or does it just mean that you can do a lot? And I, I'd like to think it's the latter. Yeah. Awesome. When the whole Breeze Sharp idea is really interesting. So now I'm, I've got these backend services and this is just a way to build it using C sharp as well. So I could actually make a smart client calling to sort of traditional web based backend services. Absolutely. In fact, we don't change the back in order to show examples of it and to test it. We don't change the backends at all. Same backend, whether it's, you've got a breeze JS front end or a C sharp backend. Uh, and it's, um, the portable class libraries, so you should be able to move it around, do your universal app thing. Right. Uh, and we got, you know what, we got to do some more um, examples of that, or maybe, the, you know, it's open source, friends. We could sure use some community help in, in sort of showing the rest of the world how to do this stuff. So the projects are all on GitHub? They're all on GitHub. Of course, it's a good place to put them. Everything's there. Everybody likes GitHub. Mm -hmm. Do you, How much of this is your development? How much of it is, uh, you know, third party or, you know, folks that are out there? You know, most of it is us. Um, we have people uh, contribute things and, you know, we vet them and, and often fold them into the product. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say the lion's share of it has been um, driven by us. Someday I'd like to see that change, but um, that's where it is. But that's not a bad thing either, right? Like, that's just, I, I got to think now with the .NET guy, ASP.NET showing up on GitHub as well. Like, it's mostly going to be the Microsoft developers adding to it. Yeah, and they say, please give us pull requests. But I don't know what they do with their pull requests. And, you know, uh, I mean, I, I know the Angular team is is really got the thing grooved in terms of um, vetting uh, your pull requests. Although I you know, they're pretty tough. If you look at the uh, the uh, threads where they discuss it back and forth, things can really sit there for a while until until they think it's cooked because right, it's right. their product, you know, you, 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 and everybody expects us to make sure um, it, it fits. Uh, but but we do. Gosh, we we could use all the help. And there's nothing, you know, it, it, there's a great opportunity to build add on modules. It doesn't have to go right into the core of the product. Go out there and and sh and build add on modules. Show people how to do stuff. Show people how it, it works in uh, with other technologies. That's what yeah, that's what we really need a lot mm -hmm. of. And we'd be happy to promote that kind of thing. You know, be a star. Well, and it's so much. You know, we've done a bunch on open source recently, and and a lot of the conversation has been that it is needs to be a conversation. That it's talking about how you're using the product and what it does well for you and what it doesn't that helps lead to good ideas. And whether or not you write it, it's almost secondary to the point. Just you knowing that there's folks out there using your product and how they're doing it and what they're struggling with, that's got to help. It's huge. And what really helps is not when they say, oh, you know what, wouldn't it be great if which is the bane of every open source product because <laughs> everybody's got an idea. It's really like, here's my problem. I'm trying to solve this. And, um, and this is the set of use cases I'm trying to conquer. Uh, can you help me there? Or I have a great idea and I'd like mm -hmm. it to show it to you. That's even better. That's really how um, you contribute. Yeah. Awesome. So Ward, we've just sort of dived in on Breeze here without talking a whole lot of the detail. Obviously, client caching is a big part of her talking about the disconnected scenarios, but querying seems to be a big piece of Breeze as well. How does that play in the disconnected scenario? Well, um, yeah, querying is something that, that people find very attractive and for good reason. Uh, there, Breeze, for those who don't know, has, has a query language that's, that generates uh, an OData query style uh, mm. URL, and so if the backend understands that, it can it can um, interpret that OData and get whatever it is that you want, and it supports filtering and paging and expands and stuff like that. Uh, uh, expand for those of you who don't know it is like I can get if I ask for the order, I can also get the order items and maybe those order items product, and I can do it all in one request, and it all comes down. You can just keep adding dot this and dot that. Yeah, yeah, dot your way to heaven. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> now um, that's pretty cool if the back end supports it. 
Uh, By the way, I want to stress that you don't have to have an OData back end. You merely have to have something sitting back there Mm -hmm. that can turn that into something that's meaningful. So in a web API world, we have some stuff back there that that turns it into a link query against some kind of a store, uh, which might be EF, but it could be something else. could be N-Hibernate. could be your own homegrown thing. doesn't matter. But in Mongo, we have a completely different, you know, obviously there's no link back there. It turns it into Mongo uh, query expressions. Uh, It's just what's nice about OData query syntax is it's a uniform representation of a client-side request for data. Right. Uh, Now... um, uh, the real benefit of this is that as a, as a server API developer, I do not have to create a, an endpoint for every possible thing that a client might want, mm. right? Which is just wicked hard for people to deal with because you get this explosion on the back end of, of query endpoints that are more or less alike and nobody knows why that one is different than this one. And so they create another one. And before you know it, you got 20 queries that are all sort of alike and named alike and nobody knows which one is for which. Right. You've seen that before, right? Sure. But it also means that the, the, the application developer um, has to sit around and wait for somebody on the server side to put that together. And you just, you know, you just know what you want oftentimes. So, so for many uh, applications, it's just great to be able to have make the client-side decision about what you're going after. And of course, you know, the argument again, one of the first arguments against that is, oh, they're just going to party on my database, which is a real risk. So yep. you got to make yeah. sure you do the stuff on the server side that prevents people from partying. Right? Yeah. And all of that's easily done. Um, you just have to decide to do it. I also like the idea of, you know, abstracting the SQL server away from this, putting something like Mongo in front and then having a backend service that picks up Mongo documents and does the decomposition to SQL after the fact. Yeah. Uh, or it's actually not, it's not even SQL. It's just, it, let's be clear. It's OData query syntax. Right. Right. Which, which is, which maybe have been inspired by SQL, but it's yeah. clearly not SQL. It's a query language that has, uh, it's pretty robust and it can go all, uh, it can be expressed over a variety of things. And, and of course, with a Mongo case, you're not going to get back um, uh, relationships, you're going to get back documents. And yeah. Depending on whatever your story is, you're going to get that back. So it's, it's cool. So, so we got that, right? Now, one of the things that Breeze does is it also says, hey, I can compose that query as if I'm talking to a remote store, but I can also apply that to the cache. The exact same query language. All right. I'm just, you. oh, I'm not interested in what it is out there. I mm. want to know what it is here, which gets back to our offline scenario where you, you, you often want to say, I'm just interested in the building inspector, you know, the, the building inspection for blah, 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 right? You could search right. for it and whatever. If you can compose the query to go remote, you can apply that same query and just swing it over, redirect it to local cache. So that's, that's one of the cool things about Breeze's use of the query, if it's query language. Um, but you know what? Um, I have to, we have to acknowledge that there's some people who just think this is wrong. This whole idea, of using, <laughs> right? Uh, Everything you're doing there is bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, they just they just want to they, they say no. I, every I want to code every endpoint. I want to know exactly what's going on there. Uh, I'll tell you what parameters I'll accept. Uh, end of story. Uh, and by the way, you know, um, there are plenty of uh, backends that that don't have. This notion at all. I mean, you come from a Java background, you're not going to expect that. You're not going to expect link over anything. And, you know, that's, you just want straight rest the way they think of it. I'm not going to get into, you know, the rest, (laughs) whether it's rest or not, but, but you get the idea. I just want to make an HTTP request, maybe throw a few parameters in there, give the, give me this stuff back. And now I bet I can't use you, Breeze. And the answer is yes, you can. You can, you take, you you know, it's going to come back as JSON, presumably. Let's assume it does. Mm-hmm. And you have the freedom to reinterpret it, reshape it, whatever you want. You can, if you can hit the endpoint and get an, a- get an answer, it's fine. It can be morphed at, under your control into these breeze entities, which have relationships, you know, you order dot order items, whatever. We'll maintain them just as if you would hit one of the, um, uh, OData type or, or SQL server type backends. I like the idea that you use the pieces you want to use, right? You use the pieces that you want to use. If you if you say, you know what, I don't like that query stuff, you know, what's Breeze going to do for me? Well, what it's going to do for you is after you've got the data, you're going to have it in such a way that you can change, track it, cache it, um, uh, validate it, 
you know, all, um, do build, save transactions, shove the stuff offline, all the things we were talking about that you need to do without regard to how you acquired the data. Right. It could be totally separate. So why wouldn't you use it? Uh, I think that Breeze is overkill if you're doing a to-do app. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if, if all you do is you go grab some data, read-only data, and chuck it onto the screen, yeah. and you don't hold on to it, you don't do anything with it. Right. By the way, there's a lot of apps that are just like that. That's cool. Right. Don't use it. Don't use it. It's okay. Ward it's says really it's okay. okay. It's okay. <laughs> I do it too, all right? I don't use Breeze for everything. Um, I'm uh, Ward Bell's outfit, and I <laughs> sanctioned this message. They sanctioned this message. But if I'm going to live with that data for a while, and it's complex data for a while, and I don't want to get it all at once, I don't want to, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I get orders, and then I want to get the order items, and then I want to get the product. I don't want to get it all at once, and I want to keep track of changes, mm. and I don't want to save every time somebody touches a keystroke. Mm. I'd rather sort of see if they can put together something that we could save. Or I don't want to worry about what happens if it goes down and how I'm going to preserve their session. If, you know, if, if these are my concerns, then I don't want to roll my own data management solution. I'd rather take something off the shelf, like Breeze. Right. Very good. Um, and I, I, I hate to, I always ask any gotchas, but I mean, <laughs> you, what, you just outlined them. I mean, if you're using a simple app, you don't need it, but... What if, what if you are? I mean, five minutes left is no time to make a list of gotchas or things you should watch out for. But uh, is there anything that you need to be careful of? Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can hang yourself, mm -hmm. uh, I suppose. You can hang on to data too long and not go refresh it. So you have to have a strategy for that. But you'll have problems no matter what technology you're using for that. Well, yeah, yeah. Although if you've written your app to just um, just keep chatting away with the server, you're not going to have to worry about data being old for very long, are you? Yeah. You just get it, let them type a few keystrokes like they do in the to-do app, send it back, and uh, and refresh, read all the to-dos again. Mm. Hey, that works great for to-dos. <laughs> uh, uh, I just don't write those kinds of apps very often. Yeah. All right. Well, Ward, is there anything else that you want to talk about uh, before we sign off? You you know I I'd really like to talk clothes, but I'm not sure I'm talking to the right guys. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to a guy that wears this black t-shirt and every day, you know. Yeah. So. Although I know I know Richard's wearing Lame right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I put it on special for you. Uh, God, I can I can smell it burn all the way over the wire. <laughs> Ward, keep being awesome and keep doing that thing you do. We love it. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Talks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a